I am that bitch, I've been that bitch. Who is that? I am that bitch, I've been that bitch. Oh, okay. Amen. Uh, I would never trip on a nigga even if I had one. You better back the fuck up. I don't know who the fuck you talking to. The fuck wrong with you? Who is this bitch? What's up, y'all? I hope you've had a blessed and blessed week. I am just telling you motherfuckers now that when we get out of here, okay? When we get out of here, I am cut. Like, y'all. And it's funny because, like, I'm saying I would cut up and people probably think that I'm kidding. But if you know me, you know. Like, it's going to be a whole nother fucking level. I mean, the thing about it is, aside from just wanting to go out, and by go out, I mean dance and hoe, um... I'm really good in the house. So, you know, I really am. I do miss my family. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to see them. Um, and I obviously miss my friends and stuff. But, you know, people are, oh, my God, I'm stir crazy. I'm sweating. I'm I'm panicking like, you know. I, and I'm just like, you know, read a book, eat some food, work out, learn an instrument. You know, I got a guitar here that I've been playing awfully but you know shout out to learning um i got a little keyboard in this bitch i got a whole bunch of books amazon still you know slaving people so you can still get some things delivered i've been really conjuring the spirit of my late grandmother she made a lot of juices and stuff so i've been doing that um i made this bomb mix of like a whole bunch of shit Obviously, kale and spinach because I need the greens, but I do like blood orange and carrots and that's some sea moss, lemon juice, um, regular like California oranges, some grapefruit. Like it's just a whole blend. I'm sure I'm getting my vitamin C for damn sure. Um, yeah, I do that. I made me a nice aloe vera thing because my skin was looking I was looking crazy and that's the only thing that might hold my hoeing down that might slow me up this summer is that I will emerge from this looking crazy as hell like I know that there are people that are working out a lot like I do a little physical activity but there are people that are you know I'm gonna do two hundred push-ups a day and I'm a I'm a burpee until you you know I'm just not that kind of girl, okay? Like, I'm just not. And it's not to say that I'm going to look like a hot mess, but I'm not, I'm, I'm going to need a week at least to get ready to be actually be seen, like a haircut, like go to the dentist, like, you know, I need to get my teeth cleaned. Like, I'm not just going to hop back into homing. You know, but I have done something that might change my energy. You know, I realized that at my core, like in my core of my being right now, I really, and despite the fact that I am male, I say fuck men a lot. Like, in not even 
by like by myself in my house, I will be watching something and then a man will start lying and I'd be like, see, he lying, fuck him. And it's like, why? <laughs> Like, I was watching this movie the other day, and as soon... I've watched this movie a billion times. It's called Taekwondo. It's a gay movie out of Argentina that I love, even though it's not... Whatever. I enjoy it. It's Argentina, so you know what that means. Ain't no black people in it. It's problematic in just classic Argentine ways. But... um. As soon as I saw it, I was like, see, he a liar. He gonna cheat on his girl because there's a whole lot of straight people. And I'm like, he gonna cheat. He gonna cheat. He said that he don't cheat, but he gonna cheat. He's a hater. He gonna try to fuck his friend. Like, I could just kind of just tell by the first couple of lines of how the dialogue was, even in another language, that, that they're gonna be trash. Like, these, like, they're gonna be garbage. And that you might as well just stay home. Like, that is what... I felt watching a movie that I've already seen a billion times, but even the first time I watched it, I was like, yo, fuck these niggas, fuck them. You know, so I'm working on changing that energy. Um, back in the day, I'd never dated anybody with that energy. I was like, as soon as I sniffed that, like, fuck niggas energy, I was like, no, because I'm not trying to be lumped into a category of other people, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm special. I'm me. You know, ain't nobody like me, so don't compare me to nobody. And then a couple of years later, here I am saying fuck all of you. Um, But I'm working on that. I realize it's problematic. So, yeah, I wanted to... I was going to talk a little bit about leadership because I discussed it in the past and I came across this philosopher or not really i'm not sure what the fuck he is he's like a corporate guy that went to philosophy or it's really folk philosophy it's like you know self-help which i'm obviously i'm a self-help fan but i just don't think that i just i started off his name is john maxwell if you want to read his books he's got a couple of books two of them um, I have not read them, but I have heard him speak. Um, he's got like one, I think it's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And the other one is called, he's got a lot of books though. So I don't want to say that these are the two, but these are the two that I heard him speak about. Um, the Five Levels of Leadership. And he sold a lot of copies and he's really well known. I was going to go into that, but I realized, you know, sometimes when you realize that your vantage point, like somebody is talking and they're like, your vantage point is just so different from this person's that it doesn't like that the synthesis isn't going to even be worth like worth it. Like, you know, he's this former finance guy, similar to me, I guess, in that way. Um, he's 73, white, straight, married, been married for like 50 years or some shit like that. 50, 51 years. Um, kids, you know, went into this, went into writing books because he wanted to expand his sphere of influence, understands leadership solely as influence. And, you know, well, he does talk about responsibilities of empowering other people, you know, and this type of thing. But as he was talking, I just realized that as a black queer man, influence and obviously like I, leadership and power to me are different. And then my relationship with power as someone with, you know, interacting and overlapping, you know, minority statuses, 
don't, I'm not going to have the same relationship. And no, people that listen to me are not going to, um, really learn necessarily without having read his books through my vantage point. So for those that heard my little talk on leadership, I forgot what episode that was, but I will mention it, I guess, in the notes if I remember. Um, if you didn't agree with me, that's another alternative vantage point, but I'm I, obviously I just can't really speak about it with any kind of partiality. You know, I can't rep for it or rock with it like it's some shit that I respect on the same playing field or on the same level as I respect my own position on that. But there is another topic that I think would be cool. So a while ago, it's so funny, I'm already referring to other episodes. Actually, before I go into that, this is the 42nd episode and it feels like time has flown. I cannot believe I am 10 episodes away from a year's worth of episodes or a year's worth of content um, producing coming out every week. So thank everybody for rocking with me for that long. So like back to this, a couple, maybe, I don't know, 20 episodes ago, there was an episode that I talked about what it means to desire. I think the episode was actually called Crisis of Desire. And that a lot of people that I had known, folks that I had grown up with, folks that had amazing academic professionals, socioeconomic, financial, all these type of gains... Still, when you ask them if they were happy, if you ask them what they wanted, they could not answer these questions. And at that point, I was like, there must be, see, I hear this echo, but anyway, there must be something, some kind of breakdown. You know, what takes us out of, takes us away from our bodies? What takes us away from feeling crucial emotional processes like want and desire. And I thought about what it means to be a, a person of color, uh, someone who grew up either poor or with a sense that upward mobility was crucial for survival and that the way to do this was through the lens of respectability, so or at least using the institutions that were propped up as as good for us, so college, private school, or even public high school or whatever. And all of that just leads to not knowing who the fuck you are or not being able to connect to things like what do you hope for, what do you want, what do you love, what do you hate, you know, like just losing that that sensuality. And in that talk, I brought up Audre Lorde's work and I can't remember who else I'd brought up in that context. Um, and I kind of want to revisit that now, but not in the context of desire but in a really closely related context of trying and attempting and work. And I've learned a lot since then. As I mentioned, it's been almost a year of doing this podcast. And I that was early on, I think. I think the crisis of desire was early on. I want to say it was like September. I don't know. It was a minute. It's been a minute. So I've learned a lot since then. I want to talk a little bit about 
spirituality and this concept of, you know, embodying the spirit and linking the spirit world to your actual physical form. And, you know, what the, like the spirit world, I kind of personally, I don't know. I think it might be helpful not to use that language in this conversation. I think it might be more useful or more helpful to talk about just energy. And in the past, I've even described energy in a different way than I just than I think of it now. In the past, I've thought about energy as the way you move through space and time, which I, I guess I kind of still agree, but I, I think that there is, you know, kind of borrowing from another Maxwell, there is something field-like about energy that's beyond what I kind of was thinking about when I said it last, like gesture and, you know, just moving through behavior, you know, grace, style, all of that, that there is a sort of energy field idea. So sort of connecting one's energy field or acknowledging one's energy field and its crucial interwoven relationship with one's body and understanding that you, the being, you are somebody that has a body and that has a mind, but you are not solely um, those, those aren't the sole elements of your constitution, you know that you, they're not the, that's, that's not everything you are. And I guess to some that people use spirit there. I kind of don't think about it like that, but I don't. I, I don't really need it as what I as a concept. It's kind of my point. Like it's not that I, it's not useful. It's not that it's not true or whatever. However, whatever sense you want to use the word true, but to discuss embodiment, I don't really think I need that concept. At least not right now in this conversation. So you have this idea of. Wow, my body, my physical body, my toe, my pinky toe, my pinky ring, a um, whatever, like the smallest part of my body to the largest part, they all kind of work together to, well, even the smallest part has influence over my energy, over my well-being, over what I understand as my health, what I understand as my ability to get what I think I want or what's aligned with, you know, Speaking about wants, you know, but that's another thing. What it means to be strong, what it means to be healthy and all those things. And that there is such a thing of being misaligned, of having a relationship with your body that just does not go with what you think you're trying to achieve because the energies associated with the way your body performs or is or whatever word you want to use there are misaligned with your goals or you know and your dreams and your desires 
and we can't connect them. And a lot of times emotion is our conscious connecting of it, right? That sort of physiological response to something that is understood or at least passed through what we understand as consciousness. And we have a response, but a lot of times that re- that connection, that relationship where you can just simply have a response to something has been broken down. I'm not saying that we become psychopaths or whatever, but there's a, you know how like when you're in kindergarten, they have the faces and they teach you how to, the faces of like sad and angry you're supposed to identify. It's like, over time, things get more complicated than that, or they seem to get more complicated than that, and the feelings that we have, we kind of lose access to them. And sometimes, like, traumas get stored in the body, and I think I've talked about that before in the podcast, and you lock them away, and you, as a result, you don't get that level of intensity anymore. You, you lose the ability to emotes with that kind of intensity because you've locked that ability and that honesty and that direct communication in with the trauma that you experience and then you've kind of lost access to it. And essentially there's this ongoing breakdown between what the fuck is in your mind or what you understand on some level into it as your purpose or your desires that require a certain energy and what your body is allowing for as the kind of basis of your extension or like your existence here. And I think when we start to discuss the role of the mind, and this is just my personal, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I know a lot. It's my experience, but it's also experience of a lot of motherfuckers that I know. Um, the mind is... The mind is often given way too much control. So when we under... And way too much responsibility... And this, I think, is really serious for smart people, quote unquote, smart people. And a lot, and you know, or people that have achieved survival or success through their intellect mostly. And that makes a lot of sense, right? When you don't think that you are going to, when you question your ability to survive, and then you understand, and everyone socially tells you, you're the smart one, you've got to make it. Or, you know, like I had situations when I was in junior high school where I've had otherwise really, really smart people too. Like this is not even like, it always kind of makes me sad. This was one instance. I was, I was in eighth grade and I was walking up the stairwell and I saw these two kids. One was, you know, they were fighting. They were fighting or about to fight. It was like right there. And you know, the part of there was this always a part of me that wants to watch a fight, but I was like, nah, because this type of fight, this fight, 
is a different kind of fight. Like, you know how there's, like, you know, if you grew up in a school where people fight, like, there's certain types of fight. Like, there's, like, the lunchroom fight, the hallway fight, like, the hallway fight in between, like, periods. There's, like, the the playground fight. There's, I'm gonna fight you after school. Like, these are all fights that are meant to be public. You know, these are all the spectator fights. But the fight where everybody else is in class and there are these two kids that are gang affiliated that you know and they're about to fight like this is not like you need to just leave like you don't want to be a witness to that thing whatever and I was walking and they were mad and I'm really not sure how this happened I don't remember exactly what made one of them look at me and just he was just angry I don't know but he looked at me and started yelling. And I was like, you know, get this faggot out of here, this and that. And I, of course, like, you know, I probably should have shut the fuck up and walked away. Like, in retrospect, I should have. But I said something crazy. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something, right? And then out of nowhere, one of my friends, who, really smart guy, but was definitely, like, you know, had guns and, you know, one of them <laughs> pulled a knife out and was about to charge for toward me. And then out of nowhere, homeboy comes and like grabs his arm and like just people respected him so much that just his presence calms everything down, at least calmed everything down for me because he and I were friends and they knew and they respected him so much. <laughs> Yeah, because he, what he ended up doing was, it's hard for me not to use names here, but he said to me and said to them, he's going to make it out of here. Like, he's smart. He's going to make it out of here. And I remember being like, word (laughs) i mean which you know i was an asshole fine and by then i'd already gotten into boarding school it was eighth grade so it was true that i was leaving um but these kids are all smart in themselves so they that opportunity existed for them as well i guess is the point that i'm trying to make yeah so like socially People reinforced my identity as a smart person who was going to use intellect to make it. And because I wasn't really balanced sort of athletically, I did play some sports in high school, but not really. I don't count that shit. But, you know, I learned as that my mind was, let's just put a percentage on it, like 70% of who I was, you know, 70, 80% of who I was. Then you couple that with struggling with sexuality, struggling with the sensual side of my of me, you know, wanting to sort of reject that and that whole struggle that a lot of people share. The parts of me that might have given more life or that I might have taken on as more of my identity, I kind of, you know, rejected. So, you know, it makes sense. And I, I personalize it in that case, but it's true for other people in other ways, that the mind sort of becomes the sensor of 
who you recognize as yourself. And that can lead to a whole lot of bullshit because the mind, and this might be controversial to some people, but the mind doesn't have that much power. Like, the mind, of course, the mind as a calculating agent, as, you know, the job, the mind's job is to create narrative. You know, that's what consciousness does. I mean, when you think about, you know, even Kant's sort of idea of um, the categories and time and sequence and all those things, when you think about even there was this, I was reading a couple of months ago, um, Dennett's Consciousness Explains and you know, just the idea that the mind creates and the consciousness creates narratives is pretty obvious to people. And that, you know, one thing that I always add is ego. You know, the ego is the story that our mind tells us about ourselves. And, you know, our commitment to that narrative is what we kind of realize as ego. And, you know, when you treat the mind, this story-making faculty as central to who you are, and you don't think about the emotions and you don't, you know, charge your memories or charge your dreams or charge your, what do people do, the, the mantras or the sort of um, affirmations with physio- with an emotion or with, you know, a kind of bodily somatic response you are just imagining, you're daydreaming. And daydreams, you know, we like daydreams, but daydreams don't get everything done. Daydream, the album slaps. You know, Mariah did what she had to do on Daydream. But aside from that, you know, they don't really go. Like, you don't build a future off of daydreams only. Um, Daydreams with no... Even, but a daydream sometimes will be lit if you have an emotional response to it. But, you know, just dry f- imagination isn't going to get us there. And when we sort of, when we don't see the project as embodiment, when we don't see the project as connecting the two, the energy or spirit to body, and when we don't restrict the mind, you know, obviously it's good to have a powerful mind because it's good to have a powerful guide. It's good to have a powerful tool. Um, But when we don't restrict it, the mind, and we don't, we give it too much of ourselves, we kind of give away some of our power, which is the point that I'm trying to make. Um, and in my experience, although, you know, shout out to my mind, <laughs> when I've given so much of the power to my mind, it's been destructive. It's been destructive. Because a lot of the conclusions that the mind can draw that are logical or rational, given your information, are not good, are not conclusions that are conducive to the highest form of living. You know, it's like, well, you know, the mind is what put me in the field of my professional before I went into music and hospitality and stuff. The mind is what told me that I was, you know, 
that made my survival my preoccupation, which as I matured became anxiety. Um, the mind, if you think about risk, you know, being proud and big and, you know, black and queer and proclaiming it in an environment that is obviously hateful in a country that is built on freedoms for some, but has always been consistently hateful against you and your people, that don't make any sense. Right? That's stupid. You know, especially when you're preoccupation survival. So a lot of the conclusions that the mind will come up with are not ones that are viable for a living an excellent life or living excellently. I do and I guess to 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 follow to follow through on my intention is I can say that with this in mind when we say that we're trying, I know for me sometimes I get, you know, upset when I'm not at a certain point in my career or something like that. And it's like, yo, are you, how hard are you working for real? I'm not saying, what are you sacrificing? A lot of times, you know, back in the mental, when I let my mind run everything, when I'd ask myself, how hard am I working? The question that I was really asking was, what am I sacrificing? What else can I sacrifice for this goal? Which tricks us. It tricks, it, it tricks those of us that are ego-oriented, those of us that grew up maybe with poverty or, goes, or you know, those of us that sort of understand sacrifice as the key, as what you do when you really love something or what you, when you really want something. So that's what I was asking myself, like, what are you giving up? And I was willing to give up everything. And I mean, a lot, I still really am willing to give up everything um, for that, for whatever it is that I want. But there is a way, right, outside of this framework to get, to, to work in a way that doesn't entail a grave like austerity, like a grave like, you know, have nothing, do nothing but just this. And it's and it takes being fully connected to body to kind of realize that that's true. It's a trap that the mind gives you. The mind is being very logical. Well, you only have 24 hours in a day. You've spent eight hours sleeping, which is probably too much, too many hours sleeping, frankly. Probably spend more about five or six hours sleeping than you can do, you know, of the 19 hours remaining, you can only do X amount and then cut everything else out. You know, it's a very calculated way of living. Um, but when you connect to the body and your energy is optimized, I hate using the word optimized, but whatever, the energy is optimized, things outside of your, what you identify as yourself, so your energy fields, the circumstances, whatever, improve your, your chances, like, there starts to be a collective working and not even, you know, I'm obviously talking about it with a bit of a mystic flair, but it doesn't have to be. It can be as simple as collaborating. It could be as simple as once you've oriented your body to, to something, 
and you've sort of cleaned up your negative, you've limited your power of your negative thoughts, you've changed the way you think so that the story that you're telling is working in tandem with how your body's functioning, working, working in tandem with whatever your energy field and your goals are, people start to come into your life that will further it. You start to just collaborate with folks that it just works out. Like, it's really funny. The guy who's mixing my project now has the same birthday as my sister. And I met him when I was, when I first made the change, right? When I first decided to just let this life go, let the finance and stuff go. And I was really energetically dialed into my potential as an artist and as a creative and, you know, a community-based person, and then I meet this guy who's fairly young as well, um, who is helping me get my second project out the door. So I don't know. All of it just kind of works together. Um, and I, and I want to talk briefly about something else, but I feel like, oh, no, okay, we've got some time. So... This kind of, this realization or this conversation about spirituality brings me to a point about relationships and not, and not like romantic, it doesn't have to be romantic, it could be friends or whatever. It brings me to a point where, or to a point about differences that are potentially irreconcilable, but some, I don't, I, I'm not a believer of, well, that's not true. That's not true. So there are some differences that are irreconcilable, but, um, I think communication can get through most things, but there are real differences that arise from different spiritualities or different approaches to spirituality. And I had something like this last year with a friend, we've been fairly, we were, we had, We'd been fairly close for a while, for you know, for quite some time, and I realized, but but I didn't have the language. I realized this like you know earlier in the year that the issue that was going to divide us potentially temporarily or permanently, but I you know I always think temporarily um, was an issue of spirituality. Was that you know my approach that I've just got finished talking about was that my body, that my me as energy is crucially related to me as an extended person, like me with body. And that that relationship was, I was needed to be harmonious for me to have a identity that wasn't fractured, you know, that wasn't fragmented. And working through that understanding, working through that required me to work through the traumas that were stored in my body and required me to work through a lot of things and really heighten and really increase my sensuality um, or further embrace my sensuality. You know, I've always been a sensual girl. Um, and I think my friend's approach was to really understand their, themselves as spirits and not as an extended 
being and 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 really downplay the role or the impact that body has on spirit or that body has on energy they understood consumption that consuming the wrong shit, eating the wrong shit. They understood the sort of optimism, how consumption affects energy output, affects health, affects the welfare, well, affects well-being. But their approach was very, you know, body, you leave your body. Like it's, you know, it, it's something that you just, it's not crucial to the work. Obviously being healthy is, but you know. And I realized that that difference was a big one at the time. And I didn't understand that it would be that difference that sort of divided us temporarily later on. Um, Obviously there are other things there, but and, and I guess I bring this up just to say that I, well, one more thing before I sum it up is that we were both kind of new to it. And you know how new people are, like new Christians and new like proponents of anything, like new singers, new, new actors, like new, like new, newly identified ex, they start to like push it on you and they don't really understand compromise because compromise takes nuance, which takes maturity. And I am compromised of spirit, but compromising of understanding. Um, or not compromise of intention, but compromise of understanding. And I think... Yeah, so, I, so I'd say all of that to say that as you adapt new spiritualities and as you try to engage in a holistic or well-integrated body, energy, spirit, mind, whatever your language is. And as you want, as you have desires that are stronger, as you know what it means to try, know what it means to work, know that you have to engage your full self and all of those things, expect for their, expect for it to change your relationships and be open to that. And don't use it to reaffirm negative aspects of your story or don't involve your ego in that. You know, really try to really try to acknowledge it as a consequence of a new lifestyle rather than a consequence of ego or shortcoming of theirs or, you know, whatever. And yeah, I just leave y'all with that this week. You know, I feel pretty good, but as always, thank you to the essential workers, to the medical professionals, to everybody holding us down. Um, thank you to folks for still listening. As I said, I can't believe we've been at this for 10 months. And, you know, I'll see y'all next week. Baby.